words pray that it will not be my words, but it will be the Holy Spirit just speaking into our hearts. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for you are here. We thank you for you have ministered into our hearts this morning with your presence. And I pray, Lord, as I share your word, that it will be not my own words, but your Holy Spirit stirring up hunger in us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open with me in the book of Luke. You know, I feel really comfortable to talk. I could preach about worship or about one of my favorite topics, which is faith and walking by faith and doing crazy things when the Lord tells us to do crazy things, which is like move to a very remote place and have Sunday service. I I could talk about faith and stuff like that, but the Holy Spirit has been stirring in my heart for a few days in my daily quiet time about himself, about the Holy Spirit, his work and how he works in us. And I know that it can be a tricky topic, if you would. Because, you know, we come from different backgrounds and some churches don't even really address the person of the Holy Spirit or have a different view on that. But you know what? We're going to go really biblical this morning and we're going to see what the Bible tells us about that. You know, I'm I'm not going to share much about personal stories, which I, I love. I would love you to tell you about my personal stories and all that, but I feel he wants us to learn today from the Bible. And you know the Holy Spirit is as equal as the Father and as Jesus? You know they are a trinity and they are perfect in unity. You know they are the representation of unity actually. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, they don't compete with each other. The three of them are God. You know and but many times I feel like we ignore the person of the Holy Spirit. Like we, yeah, we pray in Jesus' name and, and, you know, once we were saved and we read Bible and all, but we might ignore how important it is for us to have the Holy Spirit. You know that even for Jesus, he needed the Holy Spirit. You know that he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. If Jesus, to perform his miracles, to start his ministry... He needed the Holy Spirit. He needed to be filled and overflow with the Holy Spirit. How much more us? So we are going to read about this promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And you know, my intention this morning is to stir up a hunger in you. That you will leave this place, that you will leave Papa's house with hunger. Feeling hungry for the Holy Spirit. Feeling like, yeah. If he is what he says he is and what I see in the Bible, and if he really turned upside down the life of disciples as he did, and and the disciples at the same time, they turned the world upside down, I want this Holy Spirit. I want to live in this fullness of the Holy Spirit. So we are going to read about this promise because he is a promise. He was promised to us by Jesus. He first was anointed with it, and then he said, it's necessary that I go so you might receive the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit is God the Father dwelling in every believer. So we are going to read in Luke chapter 3, verse 21. And we're going to read from a new version that uh, we are loving it. And it's a very crazy version. It's called the Passion. The Passion Translation. And um, 
I hope they will print it in paper soon. So one day Jesus came to be baptized along with all the others. As he was consumed with the spirit of prayer, the heavenly realm ripped open above him, and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in the visible, tangible form of a dove and landed on him. Like When it says landed, I imagine a plane like landed on him. Then God's audible voice was heard saying, My son, you are my beloved one. Through you, I am fulfilled. You know, in other versions it says, I am well pleased. And I love this one that says, I'm fulfilled. Like, you are the fulfillment of myself. You know, and we see here at the moment of his baptism, Holy Spirit just landed on him. And the important part is that he rested on him. He didn't just visit and left. Like, hey, I'm going to give you a Shaka experience and then I'm going. No, he, he landed and he rested on him. Let's read more. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> From the moment of his baptism, Jesus was overflowing with the Holy Spirit. He was taken by the Spirit from the Jordan into the lonely wilderness of Judea to experience the ordeal of tasting by the accuser for 40 days. You know, it says here he was overflowing. Imagine a bottle of water, and it's, for example, half. And then you pour water, and it's full. But you know when it's overflowing? When the water keeps on pouring, and it goes out. You know, it's not enough to be full. You know, you know what is the fullness of the Spirit when we overflow? It's not that enough for us. We have received, but we have to overflow. His anointing has to flow through our lives. You know, Jesus didn't only receive the Holy Spirit that landed on him. It rested on him. And here it says, it overflows. You know, it was overflowing on him. And he needed that anointing to go through those 40 days of fasting and that the enemy tempted him, you know. Let's read more about the experience of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life. In Luke 4, 14. Then Jesus, armed with the Holy Spirit's power, returned to Galilee and his fame spread throughout the region. You know, it is so important. It was so important for Jesus himself. He didn't think about him being enough, you know. He knew that he belonged to the Trinity and he needed the Holy Spirit. And he was constantly connected to the Father. He was constantly praying, you know. Here, here was, uh, in some verses ago, we, we can read that he was, it says, he was filled with the spirit of prayer. Like, he was constantly going, when you read the Gospels, you see that it says that he goes alone to pray. He searched for lonely places to pray. So he was constantly connected to the Father. And he was constantly filled, overflowing. Like, the Holy Spirit was pouring constantly. So there is one thing like the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit is on us. In the moment of our, when we say by faith that we belong to him, you know that when we say yes to him, when we repent from our sins, we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You know, the Holy Spirit comes in us. We are baptized and we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
But there is a difference between the Holy Spirit being in us. Holy Spirit in us is for our comfort. You know, in the Bible it says that he is the comforter. It's for our comfort, for our own, you know, personal life. But then when it says it comes upon us, it's for us to overflow with his anointing. You know, for what? To set the captives free. That's our life. If we have not set any captive free lately, means that we need overflowing of the Spirit in us, His anointing in us. So let's read in John chapter 3, verse 34. The one whom God has sent to represent Him will speak the words of God, for God has poured out upon Him the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And listen to this. Without... Limitation. Yeah. God has poured out upon him the fullness of the Holy Spirit without limitation. So we see the life of Jesus overflowing with that anointing, you know, and constantly connected with the Father. The Holy Spirit landed on him, rested on him, but the anointing was constantly. It says overflowing. Remember the image? of the bottle full of water but being constantly filled. So, you know, living in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us and upon us is a lifestyle. It's not one-time experience that you go to a place, for example, one Sunday morning you feel some electricity, <laughs> so to say, you feel something and you, you know it's the Holy Spirit and, and that's it and you live and that's it. Living with the Holy Spirit in you, with that overflowing Him upon you is a lifestyle, or it should be. You know, this is His promise to us. You know, Jesus was His disciples, and we read in, in the first chapter of Acts, For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So let me give you a bit of a context. Here the disciples were with Jesus after he, he died on the cross and then he resurrected and he appeared to the disciples constantly for 40 days. And the last thing that he was speaking to them was about the promise of the Holy Spirit. So guys, if we've never taken this serious about living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I think it's an invitation. It's the Lord pursuing us. He never forces us. He pursues us to be filled with his spirit. It is in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you have read that chapter and the next, it's crazy, right? It's the Pentecostal. It's like, wow, I wish I was there, you know. But the good thing is that that promise is for every believer, you know, and he wants to pour on us. And, you know, I was reading yesterday the, the whole chapter, and it says that he came as a rushing wind. And it was so strong that people from all around the city, and Jerusalem is not a small place, people from all around the city, they came rushing to see what happened. You know, and that day, 3,000 people came to the faith. That's what the Bible says. You know, so the Holy Spirit is a promise, not only for the elite, not only for those who are preaching or leading in any way, it's a promise for every believer. You know, because he wants to be in us as a lifestyle. 
He wants to be in our lives. He wants to dwell with us. You know, the Holy Spirit is the Father dwelling in us. And Jesus perfectly modeled that, that kind of lifestyle. So, you know, in order to be fulfilled as a believer, in order to, to enjoy everything the Father has, we have to have the dwelling of the Father in us, which is the Holy Spirit. So, let's read in Acts chapter 1, the verse 8. But I promise you this. It's a promise, guys. I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with power. With power. It's not a light thing. You will be filled with power. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, and even to the remotest places on earth. So you know what happens to the disciples after they receive the Holy Spirit? Their lives are totally messed up, like, but for good. Like they are totally changed. They became so bold. And how bold the disciples became after receiving the Holy Spirit. Like the same Peter that few chapters before, that just few weeks before actually, he denied Jesus because he felt scared the night that Jesus was betrayed. He denied him three times, like the pressure of people, you know. He was like, no, I don't know him. No, no, what are you talking about? It? I don't know this Jesus. No, no, I'm not one of them. This same Peter that that night was so filled of fear stands up when the Spirit comes upon him, stands up, and he's like, now you're going to hear me. And then if you read in chapter two, like the speech he gives, it's so powerful, like, You know, when we preach the gospel, if we preach from our own words, from our own knowledge, it's not going to impact anyone. And something that I really, 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 really love here in, in Acts, it says that the heart of the people that were listening to, to, to Peter, in this translation, it says that it was crushed. You know, the Holy Spirit through us, overflowing through us, brings conviction You know, whenever we speak to someone about Jesus, whenever we share the gospel, if the Holy Spirit is flowing through our life, that person has to hear. That person has to be transformed. That's his promise. And it's not, again, I say, it's not for the elites. It's for you and me. So the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Upon You remember we said he's inside of you, but he will come upon you. So you will be my witnesses, like you will be sent all over the world, and they were sent all over the world. That's why we are now knowing who is Jesus, because the disciples were filled and they were obedient, and they started preaching the gospel everywhere. We read in Acts 2.33. Then God exalted him to his right hand upon the throne of the highest honor, and the Father gave him the authority to send the promised Holy Spirit, which is being poured out upon us today. And this is what we are seeing and hearing. The Holy Spirit is being poured out upon us today, and this is what we are hearing and seeing. You know, in that room, some people thought that they were drunk. You know, when they started, the Holy Spirit manifested in them in different languages, languages and And the funny thing is that there were Jews from all over the world, you know, in certain uh, times of the year, even 
until today, Jews from all over the world, they come back to Jerusalem to celebrate their festivals. So that was the time of one of their festivals. So Jews that didn't speak only Hebrew or other languages, they spoke their own from wherever they were. So they went to see what was happening. You remember before I explained the rushing wind came and everyone came into the, that place where they were. And they wanted to know what's going on. And then they started hearing their own language. You know, the Holy Spirit manifested in such an amazing way in different languages. You know, even today I've heard, I've heard some testimonies of, of people who... <laughs> there was a pastor, and I think Charles has shared this one, in Spain, and the Spanish people don't speak English with uh, such a good accent like me. I'm Spanish, and <laughs> I speak English with such a Spanish accent. So there was this pastor. He started talking in tongues, and suddenly he started talking in English that was like a person from Oxford or something like that. He started talking like a perfect English, and Charles and me were like, wow, this pastor... And then the church finished, and, and we said, hey, your English is so good. He's like, it just comes when I talk in tongues. That I, I, don't, I don't know English, because Charles told him in English, and he was like, and then I translated in Spanish to him. He was like, and then he replied in Spanish, like, no, no, I, I don't know any English. It's just the Holy Spirit through me. And I've heard different testimonies. I'm praying that someday I will receive the, the tongue of Tamil. Just like that. <laughs> By the Holy Spirit. Shaka. <laughs> you know, that was the manifestation in that day. And, uh, you know, many times uh, Charles has uh, taught us that it comes, the Holy Spirit, you know, we have a personal prayer language, which is the speaking in tongues. Like, it's a language that is from your spirit to the spirit of God. We don't understand we don't understand the tongues, but that's necessary. It says it's for our own edification and to utter mysteries to God. That's the, the gift of tongues, and that comes from the Holy Spirit to us. And it's one of the manifestations, guys. It's not the whole thing. You know, here we say that we see that the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples, and a sign that the Spirit was with them, it was, yes, the languages, the different languages, which were human and divine, but also the boldness to preach the gospel. And every time they prayed, they prayed in such a way, like, Lord, give us, fill us with your Spirit that we will have the boldness to preach the gospel. How many times have you felt intimidated when you felt like sharing the gospel with someone? I felt that. And I keep on feeling it many times. How many times you felt like that boldness suddenly to go and say something crazy to someone? I felt that also. Lately, when I was coming back in the plane, there was a couple from, from some country in Africa. They were traveling with such a small baby, and, and that baby was connected with tubes and breather and all that. And... That reminded me so much when our little Asha, she was sick when she was three weeks. She almost died and she needed to be in the ICU and all that. And, you know, my heart was full of compassion. And, and in the plane, I kept on seeing that there were a few rows in the front. But I, I felt so intimidated, seriously. I was like, because they might have been somebody important because they were surrounded by people and all that. 
how I really was in that moment. And I shared with him, like, guys, I don't remember his face, seriously. <laughs> I just know it was something in, in my soul because I was with my eyes closed and suddenly I, I saw someone dressed like a captain and coming to me. And I thought it was a crew from the plane. I don't remember his face. But then when he said my name, Eunice, how are you? Something in my heart knew that it was Jesus, you know? And I shared, oh, I'm... I have pain, I'm worried about this, plus there is this couple here and I don't know how to speak with them. And, and that's it. And then I, I remember I opened my eyes and I was like, that's Jesus, where are you? <laughs> you know? And I was searching. I have so many questions. But he was gone. No, just to tell you, there was an encounter with him to give me boldness. You know, I never, ever had such thing. And it was so simple. He didn't reveal me the secrets of the universe or anything. It was just his presence. You know, it was just him coming. You know, the Holy Spirit as a comforter. And then upon me to preach the gospel. So to make this story short, I start with my stories. The plane arrives. I'm so tired. I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. I didn't even pray about it. Suddenly, one, one of those cars comes, and he's like, oh, you want me to take you to immigration? I was like, yes. And then he took me by car to immigration. And then, when I had everything ready, there they were, the couple with the sick baby. I was like, okay. Okay, Lord, I have to do it. So I ran towards there, them and I, I start like boom, 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 telling them, you know what, I'm praying for your baby and I know that the Lord is going to heal this baby and you came here for a purpose and, and he's going to heal her. You trust in Jesus. He healed my baby who was in the same condition and he's going to heal this baby in Jesus' name. And I ran away just in case, <laughs> you know, because they were with police and all that. I'm like, bye. <laughs> I'm not going to even look back. But it's those moments of boldness that the Lord gives us. And we need that. And if you don't have it, ask. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me with, with that anointing. Fill me. I want to overflow that my life will set the captives free. I'm here for a purpose. You know, there has been many times in my life, few times, many, I don't know, where I felt dry like never before. And even sometimes I had to literally run away from here because I was feeling dry. My, my health was failing. Like everything, I, I felt like collapsing. But then the Lord gave me a perspective like, you are not coming to the waters. You are not coming to me. You are trying because I'm not overflowing through your life. You had experience before of my anointing. But you are not getting any more because you are not coming. You are not asking. You are not in communion with, with me. So I can feel you again and I can overflow. That's why you feel so dry and so tired. You know, and there has been times in my life where I have not given room to the Holy Spirit to really fill me up again. 
so my life overflows. And it's a lifestyle. You know, Jesus modeled that for us. He was filled. He was overflowing. He, he had limitless power, you know. And I challenge us, not only you, I challenge us to dare to live that life that's overflowing with the Spirit. Not only full for us, because we already have the Spirit in us. You know, it's a promise. But a life that overflows. You know that even the smallest thing, you will be aware. You know, when you do the smallest thing and and you suddenly feel like, "Mm, something is not. That's the Holy Spirit telling you, come back. Come back. When you live that kind of relationship with the Father that you're constantly, constantly in communion, when you do something or when you're just a bit sloppy or whatever with your time with Jesus, you feel it. You know, and the Holy Spirit tells you, hey, come back, come back. You know, a few days ago, I became so busy. I mean, I have small children, I have excuse, but not really. I was so busy with the kids. And I, I, I was like few days without having a real time with Jesus, you know, where you are in his presence and you just wait upon him. And, and then I felt the Holy Spirit calling me for a few days, like, come back. Come back to me. Come back. Otherwise, you will dry. Come back. And then I just sent the kids with someone, I think with Rani. And I just closed myself in the room and I was like, Jesus! Jesus! And they, I promise you, I felt his presence filling me again. And lately I'm having this kind of experience. It's not at all what you do that will make you have an encounter or the fullness. It's just you coming to him. Coming to him. It's so simple. You just close yourself. Wherever you are, if you can be alone, it's better. Close yourself. Cry out to him. And say, Jesus, I want you. This is a promise that you, your presence, would dwell in me. That your presence, your, your, yourself, your manifestation will dwell on me. It's, it's not only the scriptures. It's not only that I pray. It's you in me. So real that it overflows through my life to set the captives free. So you know when you call upon him, he's there. You just need to say, I need more of you, Jesus. I just need you. And he is there. And and I've had that many times, you know. Even not doing the right thing, but just coming back to him and say, hey, I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you. Won't you feel me again? And then he feels, you know. You know the father, he's a good father. He says he never gives stones like a, a father a normal father early father would never give a stone if a child asks for bread you know i i cannot imagine isaac asking me for bread and i give him a rock i would not take a hand of sand and put it in his plate you know that's the example that jesus gives us you know if 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 a good father would not do that how much more the father in heaven who is perfect whose love is perfect for us it goes on in another verse and it says, like you, you have not because you ask not. Which means if you don't ask, you will not receive. It says, call and it will be open. Ask and you will receive. You know, it, 
It's active relationship with the Father. It's active. You know, Jesus took time to be with the Father. After every time he would minister and he would give out, he took time. And now I'm sure like after I go back home, I will need to lock myself in the room and say, Jesus, fill me again. I have given everything I have. Fill me again. You know, even after you have your day of working, especially, you know, you, you work so hard, you meet so many people, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You meet people that are in such a need. You need to be filled. And if you want to see captives free in front of your eyes, your life has to overflow. And the promise is there. It's in front of your eyes. It's there. You know, that's what Jesus came to do. And, and you know, the disciples didn't receive the Holy Spirit while Jesus was still with them. They received it later because Jesus first had to be glorified. He had to overcome the dead and then they could receive the promise. That's why he came. So if read a little bit more. You know, in Romans 5, 5, here we have um, the Apostle Paul. You know, I was the other day reading about uh, Stephen. He was one of the, the first believers in Acts. We see how he dies. We see that he's stoned and, you know, his face looks like the face of an angel. And, you know, he, through the Holy Spirit, it says that the Holy Spirit gave him boldness to talk. And in that boldness, he talked to the people that were accusing him with boldness, then here on earth, it was that he was stoned and he died, but he went to heaven. While he was dying, he saw Jesus. He saw the heavens opened and he saw Jesus standing in the throne, near the throne of God, next to the throne of God. But you know, I'm, tell, I'm giving you a little bit of uh, background. Because when Stephen, this really powerful man, was stoned, um, you know who was there? <laughs> Paul. It says that uh, the people put their clothes at the feet of young Paul. That tells me that Paul was a really young man and the apostles were much older to him, but you know, when the Spirit... And then it had to be the Holy Spirit coming on Peter to give him the boldness to go and speak to Saul. Saul was the name of Paul. Before he became Paul, he was Saul. Saul used to persecute the believers. He used to be one of them. You know, because after the Holy Spirit came on the apostles and then so many people got saved, like they started performing miracles. The gospel spread widely. They had some peace and then they started having a lot of persecution. So the believers, they were scattered, which was good because then the gospel started extending. You know, but one of the main... (laughs) People, the, the main person that was uh, persecuting the believers, it was Saul. It was really Saul. And then, you know what? The apostle that became so bold, which is Peter, even needed more boldness to speak with these men <laughs> in the time of his conversion. You know how... how um, Jesus has an encounter with Saul. He leaves him blind for a few days, you know, and then he goes to a believer's house and then Peter has to be filled again with boldness because he was so scared of this guy. And, you know, 
how Saul changes his life and, and becomes this powerful man that has written most of the books of the New Testament and that teaches us as, as church so many truths. So um, in Romans 5, 5, this is a book that Paul writes. And this hope is not disappointing. It's not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading, am I pronouncing it right? Cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Do you know what's a... In English, I think it's waterfall. But in Spanish, it's cascada. That's why I could understand this word, like cascading. It means a waterfall. Because the origin, the origin of this word is uh, cascading. It's from Latin, and we have it in Spanish, cascada. So it says, because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So I imagine him like a waterfall, you know, like in our hearts. So we are never dry. We, we, are, we are never going to be tired. We are, and if we are tired, the Lord says, come to me. And I'll give you living water and I'll fill you, you know, with my promise, which is the Holy Spirit in us. And that's going to be like a, a waterfall in you. It says a waterfall into our hearts. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And I really would like to know if you are fully convinced of that. Have you ever, have you ever wondered if you really have the Holy Spirit in you? Don't answer to me. Meditate in your heart. So Romans 7, 6. But now that we have been fully released from the power of the law, we are dead to what once controlled us. And our lives are no longer motivated by the obsolete way of following the written code. So that now we might serve God by living in the freshness of a new life. In the power of the Holy Spirit, in the freshness of a new life. Do you see all the references that we are seeing? It's like, first the apostles receive it like a, as a wind. And then it says like water, the freshness. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is referred as fire. You know, sometimes uh, like when it came upon Jesus, it came as a, in a form of a dove. So the freshness of a new life. Do you still feel this freshness? Like, like in the beginning when you gave your life to Jesus, when you, when you came to him for the first time, there was like a freshness, like a, a passion, a love for him. Do you feel that freshness? If you don't, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit with that life in you, you know, the freshness of him, this, this river, this waterfall in you. And something really, really important we see in Romans eight sixteen. One of the purposes why we receive the Holy Spirit in us, and this is really important, this is, you know, we are called Papa's house. Our vision is that whoever comes here will be convinced that he or she is a child of God. But how? For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. What an amazing thing. As he whispers into our 
innermost being. You are God's beloved child. Amen. How beautiful. Let's read this one again. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood, fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Can you read it in another version? testifies in our own spirit that we are children of God. You know, not only to have that freshness, these living waters in us for our comfort, for us to transform others, not only that, but first we need to know that he is our father. It testifies of the fatherhood of God in us. He whispers in us that we are his children, you know. So it's the Holy Spirit, actually, the one that convinced you that you belong to the Father, that you are God's precious Son. It's the Holy Spirit who did that. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does, he directs our lives, you know. Sometimes we don't know what God's will. Have you ever heard? I've heard it many times. Like, I don't know what's God's will for my life. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I really don't know what's God's will for me. So we're going to read in Romans 12, 2. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. That's cool. That couldn't be more clear. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, okay? (laughs) But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. That's amazing. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes, you know? being wildly transformed by the Holy Spirit, by a total reformation of how you think. You know, when he comes on us and upon us, you know, he transforms us completely. Not only like we become power balls, like whatever we touch, it should be transformed. Whoever we speak should be convinced. And whoever is bound before us when we pray should be released. Not only for that, it transforms our minds. You know, it transforms us completely. It makes us super unsatisfied with the culture around us. It makes us see. You know, and it's the Holy Spirit inside of us that makes us discern. Okay, this is not right in this culture that we are not like everyone else following the same ideals, like following whatever everyone says. You know, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, He totally transforms our minds. Like we become so different. We have our opinion of our own. If you will, a mind of our own. Praise God. And then we discern what's his will in our lives. Like, do you, do you want to know what's God's will in your life? Just be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit will tell you. He will transform your mind and whatever you thought you should go. If it's his will, you will have peace about it. If not, he will tell you. There is something that the Lord has had to minister to my heart really strong because I was always scared of failing. I had such fear of failure that would even paralyze me from taking decisions. You know, I I was so scared of, you know, if I do this, will I still be 
in the center of God's will. I even had dreams, crazy dreams that I was, I was going, I was dying and I was in God's presence and I would be coming to him with empty hands like, Lord, I'm not bringing you anything because I just didn't know what was your will. You know, I was so obsessed by it until the Holy Spirit really ministered to me and said, hey, I'm inside of you. Just take risk. Just do it. If it's not from me, I'm going to tell you. And if you fail, don't worry. I'm going to take you up again. I'm with you. I'm with you all the days of your life. You know, he guides you. He's inside of you. He guides you. He transforms your minds. Amen. So let's read in Isaiah 61. From verses 1 to 11. You know, this was for Jesus. You know, when Jesus came to earth, he was in the synagogue. And he recited, he said these verses again. And he said, this promise is fulfilled in me. But the good news is that after Jesus, we came. You know, and these words are for us. For what he did on the cross, that promise became ours. So it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me. Don't worry, this is from NIV, okay? It's from the normal version. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of, of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair they will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is upon us to do all these things, but I want to focus on the last part that says they will be called oaks of righteousness. You know what's an oak? I had to look into that because I didn't know the word. A oak is a really old tree that's so steady. You know that it, nothing can shake an oak. It's such a strong wood, such a strong tree. You know, the, 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 the spirit in us, he transforms us, he fills us. We live an overflowing life, a transforming life. And we ourselves become so steady, like an oak. You know, we are not anymore shaken, you know, by this or by that or by, by any outer influence, by my friends or by my family or by a bad day or we are not shaken when the spirit is in us we become oaks of righteousness to display God's splendor you know through our life so I invite you today that's that's the end of this sermon praise God <laughs> I invite you today and I really hope that this has stirred up some hunger in you I really hope that you leave this place thinking Man, I want, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I know he is in me, but I want him to be upon me. I want my life to overflow. That 
in whatever situation I am, I will bring freedom because that's the promise. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do all these things. And I, I will be an oak. I will be a very steady person that will not be moved, but my life will transform. I will not be transformed by the circumstances around me, by the people, but I will transform. Why? Because the Spirit of God is upon me. Not only in me, but upon me. So it overflows through others. Yes? Amen.